And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. Welcome back, gang. It has been absolutely insane week for me, and I will totally get into it in just a minute. Um, it's just, you know, I've actually, I did this podcast already. I did it last night. I usually wait until late Tuesday night to record a podcast and then spin it down, put it up for Wednesday morning. And that's exactly what I did. But the problem was is that once I finished rambling for 50 minutes, like I always do, I went to go push stop. And then I realized that I never push play. Now, the the thing is, is that I I was going through and I had another page up. And I originally I had covered uh, different news articles about, you know, what we had been taught, you know, like toy of the week and all that stuff. Um, so I had, I didn't really see my audacity program, which is what I record off of. I didn't see that screen and I didn't realize it was not recording. Now, as we speak, I actually have the screen up in front of me. I see the waves being made as I speak and I know that it's being recorded. So we're good. Um, last week, I'm trying to remember, did we talk about, I want to say we talked about Spider-Man Far From Home, right? Uh, excellent story. Excellent. Well, yeah, excellent story. Excellent movie. Excellent acting. It's one of those rarities of sequels that's actually better than the original. And I've said this many, many, many times before. And I, I, as I say this, I know for a fact that I've already brought this up: is that Tom Holland is a superior Spider-Man than the previous incarnations that we've had. And I'm not just saying Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. I'm talking. We've had other incarnations too, and I, I unfortunately don't know their name because they they were back from the 1970s, you know, during that whole Hulk thing that was going on with Lou Ferrigno, um, and I think it's better. Now, I apologize if you hear the kids in the background there. Believe it or not, they are in a totally different room. Um, like I said, I, I recorded last night, and I, I thought I recorded. So now I'm recording now. It's 3, 3.11. In the afternoon on a Wednesday, everybody's home, uh, and it's just a normal day. And I had originally planned on recording as soon as I get up, but things kind of progressed. As I got up, I I got a phone call, and I've been working on PCE, which is Pop Culture Expo. And I think that's what we're going to talk about today, kids, is Pop Culture Expo and how it originated and was formed into the means of something for something else and what it has become so far. And I think that you'll enjoy the story and uh, we'll call that, well, in fact, we'll call this episode the origin of PCE and it's nerdy enough where it fits into the whole PCE programming, PCE programming. See, I PC on the brain and goodness yeah the whole my public life as an american nerd 
is what I meant. <laughs> but like I said, I have PCE on, on the brain. Um, okay, so here we go. A little backstory that needs to be told. People may have already known this story. People may not know this story. But this is the, the initial origin story when where it begins. When I grew up as a little boy, uh, I really didn't find the support, the academic support um, that is so encouraged today. It just wasn't there. I love my family. I love my family to death. Um, you know, and uh, the people that I speak of actually are 99.9% um, .9 of them are no longer with us. Uh, so I, I hold a very special love for them, especially since they're, they're no longer here. They've passed on. But education was something that was never really pushed in my life. I... I didn't know what I was going to be growing up. And that type of mentality kind of transitioned with me as I got older. So I've always been a, a tall person. I've been a tall kid. And you know that old saying, oh, they just passed you because you looked the age. That is exactly what happened to me. And I was pushed all the way through my life. I, I was pushed onto the grade. And, and I was a very... When it, when it came to academia, I was very poor at it. In fact, in when I did my assessment test to go into high school, I had it below a third grade reading level. I was essentially, for what it's worth, I was dumb. And I, I can admit that I was dumb. I just, I didn't know nothing. But it was there, but I didn't realize it was there uh, because I'd never needed it and I never thought of it more than just, okay, this is just the activity of what I need to get through school. And that was my, my end goal. I just, I just wanted to graduate and get out of there. Um, my Okay. And I, I bring up my aunt a lot because she's the one who drove the idea. But back when I was 10... I was introduced to comics uh, by my, my cousin, Michael. So I feel like I need to you know put him into this origin story because without him, there really wouldn't be an origin story. Now, I admit he, he's the one who brought me into comics, but I couldn't read. And I was embarrassed because I couldn't read. I couldn't figure out what they were saying. So I would have him tell me through his interpretation, oh, what is, you know, kind of like, oh, what is this one about? And he would tell me in detail what this one was about or that one particularly. Okay. So I, I give Michael his, his proper due. He's the one who introduced the world of comics and X-Men to me. So I feel like he needs to, you know, take a bow and say thank you. I, and I, I thank him. Okay, so then we jump to after the uh, placement test, and I realized that I was intellectually an idiot. Um, it was around my 13th birthday. My aunt gave me a stack of X-Men comics for my birthday. And I had those things for, gosh, months. They just sat on my desk. Now, I have always been a fan of art and what i would do because i couldn't write you know i wasn't smart enough to write 
I would just draw like little comic books and I've always been very imaginative. So I would you know, like make my, I would in the, the world of wrestling, professional wrestling, which I still enjoy today. Um, I booked my own stuff. I, you, I would draw out the characters. I remember I would, you know, draw panels and their wrestling holds and, and, um, <laughs> I would be like one of the announcers, you know, as I'm drawing it, you know, oh, you know, Macho Man comes flying off the ropes, you know, that kind of thing. So I've always been, um, I've always loved art. So the art at the time was Jim Lee. It was a Jim Lee cover. And it was, I don't even remember the story, to be honest with you. But anyway, I remember I, I picked it up and I, I wanted to see what the story was about. And obviously, I, I, I mean, at 13, I was a better, I could read certain words, you know, at, to a third grade level. And people are like, well, it's a comic book. Well, let me tell you, actually, most comic books are not written for a third grader. They're actually written for older audiences. So anyway, I, I started to try to read. And I got into the story and I've started learning the words and, you know, this was before the world of the internet. So we didn't have anything where we could type it in and, and, and learn what the word meant or how it was pronounced. We had a thesaurus and we had a dictionary and my aunt had given me a dictionary way before then, um, just because she had it and she didn't want it. So she just gave it to me. And I, I kept to it. I, I've been a semi-quasi-pack rat all my life. So I pulled it out, and I would try to figure out how the words worked. Within that year, as we move into the following year, I was a full-fledged comic book fan. And my my reading ability was still on the 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 rise, but it was still very low. But what had happened, what really caught me was I had read all those comic books that my aunt gave me and I had spent all my lunch money. I wasn't eating lunch. I was buying comic books and reading them. And the money that I had saved, I literally bought all the comic books and I've read them. So I was like, I was out of stuff to read. So I decided I was going to make my own comic book. And that's what happened is I, I wrote my own X-Men comic book, the very first thing. Initially, it was an X-Men comic book. Um, well, it was, <laughs> it was me and my family because that was the only people that it was, I was close to back then, uh, as superheroes in the, the X-Men world. That's, that's what it was essentially. And I fell in love with writing. Uh, I never thought of myself as a writer. I never thought of being a storyteller. But that process really it just it created, ignited something in me that I didn't know that was even there. And to find out that that was the missing puzzle of my life. Because once I became a writer, I became David K. Montoya. I became who I was supposed to be. Interesting enough. So I wanted to, I mean, I was young. I, at this time, I was, what, 14 now? 
and I was trying to get hired. Yes, seriously. I mean, this was the 90s. Anything was possible, I thought. You know, I was young and dumb, full of dreams. Now I'm just old and dumb and full of dreams. But I wanted to get hired. I, I didn't care who I was going to write for. I mean, I ultimately wanted to write an excellent story. And to this day, I mean, I, I've always, that's my dream project is to write a series of X-Men comics. But so, you know, and there was possibilities and people wrote back and, and I remember, I think it was Harris comics or Broadway comics. One of them, um, they were interested in my writing ability, but when they found out I was like 14 or 15, they're like, you know, we, we can't, we can't do it. We just, we can't do it. Uh, so I was just frustrated. I, I told my aunt, I was like, I'm just going to make my own comic books. And this was in 1992. And she looked at me and she said the most important words that would define my life from now or from then to even now. And she's like, why not? Go for it. Do it. And that's what I did is I sat down and I started writing my – well, actually, what I did is I took my, my original idea with the X-Men and the family and I reworked it. Turned it into something called M Team. Um, and I drew the story. Well, I wrote the story. I drew it. Uh, Sandy, my aunt, she did the editing because, you know, I was still learning grammar at that time in 92. And that could actually be argued to, to this day, by the way, uh, about me and my grammar. Um, and. I would get get it back with the corrections, and I would draw it up. I would then hand it to my brother Randy, and he would ink it, then give it back to me, and I would color it. You know, and it was like really crappy colors because I didn't have the nice. I mean, literally, my grandma would get markers from like yard sales, and she'd give them to me. And that's how I literally, God is my witness. That's how I got my markers. And so the coloring was not consistent. It was not good. It was not, it was like really crappy to be honest with you. I'm just being openly and honest about this. And then I would go down to what was called the Mesa Mart. And they were the only place that I knew that had a color copy machine. And you could make 11 by 17 color copies for, I don't remember how much money. So that's what I would do is I would go and I would make color copies of these comic books. Two on each two pages on each side, you fold it of four pages and I would try to keep the numbers, the the page count down because that way it would be cheaper for me to make. And I would go and fold them, cut them to standard. Well, they, they weren't standard. They were always bigger just because of the size and I would sell, and back then in 92, I want to say comic books were like a buck, 75 cents to a buck. And I think I sold them for like 250. And I don't know if it's because they felt sorry for this, so this, you know, kid that they saw, you know, hopes and dreams in, but they bought them. And in that, that was my company was born. I I went on and and I Sandy my aunt became S M Morton who was you know who who would become uh, very instrumental to me in my writing 
she was my first editor, but she was not my my first editor in chief. Randy Lee Walker was my first editor in chief, and he was temporary. And this you would jump two years early or two years later, and um, I had created Dark Myth Productions. Uh, I I was in high school. I was my senior year in high school, 1994, 94, 95 in that area. And I wanted to do this epic story called Life Signs. And it was about this guy that time traveled from the future. And he kept having these hiccups in life because all he was trying to do was he was trying to find this, a, a place to live in a different time. And it was more of like a story, you know, because it was like post-apocalyptic type thing is where he came from. But he wanted the perfect life. And there is, it's just human nature. There's always some type of drama. We're on the verge of something always. And he would just jump through time, jump through time, jump through time. And as he jumped through time, he would change the future or change the past into what we know now that's called life science that was the story that we worked on and i i actually was interviewed um it was what was it called i wish i remember i remember the the guy the producer's name his name was alan gildard um he actually came to the school and did a, a interview with me um first time i'd ever been on tv and he was just enamored because this 17 year old kid six. Now, nah, yeah, I was like, Oh, I was 17 by that time. Um, literally took over the high school that I was in and turned it into a comic book production studio full of kids that were, were making this. And, and so we move on and I, I become an adult, get married and, and we start, producing like the horror comics the um the vampire hunter exodus we did that one we we did we've done a whole bunch okay we we've done so many different comic books in the last almost 30 years and it was never i mean we did m team as a series and i don't remember if we've done I, I think we did M Squad and the Apocalypse as a, a mini series, but usually it was a one and done because I know that before the world of the internet and on demand publishing, publishing a comic book was very, very difficult. And so we would, I would save to put out one story, you know, we would make one comic book. And that was it. And then we go on and, and produce another comic book, you know, comic book title. And that was why, because we could not afford to produce a series, a weekly series. Now, because M uh, M Team, we that's all we did is we just made color copies of of what we had done and sold them. So they were very cheap. But when we got into, you know, like uh, I want to say Life Signs and a Yot, no, no, yeah, even a Yotnum, the original. 1997 a Yotnam. um they were professionally comic books and i had spent a lot of money on them because they were low press and the lower the number of count the higher it's going to cost per per book 
but it was always, you know, it looked very nice. So with that all said, we we come here and I look at we're in 2019 and after Lacey died, my wife, and if anybody's listening to this, they, they should probably know who I am and, and my backstory as far as Lacey uh, losing her life, you know, after uh, the birth of my, my final daughter. I just collapsed. You know, I, I tried to, because at the time I was just strictly working on the Jaisal Modcast podcast network, and my, my entire world just collapsed around me. And though I tried to come back that November, I produced something. I just, I didn't have it in me. In fact, I tried to come out the following year in 2016 with a version 2.0. And extend, I, I just wasn't there. I wasn't there mentally. Um, and then I left. I left everything. Everything I've ever loved, I left. I left publishing. I left podcasting. I worked solely on my fitness, my belief in God, and just try to rebuild me as a person and as a father and and love my family as possible, much as possible. And in 2017 is when it, it kind of all started coming back around. Um, I had devoted myself uh, spiritually and and I was very devoted I was going to church multiple times a week and and um, it, it's interesting because it, it would take I think this the, the the lady that I was dating at the time um, she just dumped me dude she dumped me on text message I think I in fact I still have the text message because I was like this is definitely 21st century crap, you know, because I've never been dumped via text message. So by that time, my brother, Randy, we had been estranged for many years and, and he kind of came back in it and, and we just talked Turkey. We talked about the, you know, the old love that we had about writing and doing comic books. And he kind of sparked that, that, passion for me again and i decided i was going to revamp the world of myth i was going to bring it up because the world of myth is an online magazine www.theworldofmyth.com it's there it's happening right now this very second um and i brought it back and it was nothing more originally than to just love the the past a, a sense of nostalgia but as I worked on each thing, each issue, bringing it back up online, I re-fell in love with it. And I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. So December 24th, 2017, uh, managing editor at the time, Mike Lutz, and I relaunched The World of Myth with this issue 56. And it was low, and, and it had a few hundred hits, I think. But it was just like being reborn it was like a rebirth of me because that's who i was supposed to be i had been so focused on on building myself because i honestly guys i was going to the gym like three and four hours a day and and taking this and doing this and and going to church and devoting my time to church and devoting my time as a father like i should 
you know, but I never, I really didn't have that investment in me, my soul core David K. Montoya. I think it's because it hurt so much because as I had to bring it back up and say, this is who you are. Part of that was the pain of losing someone that I loved very, very deeply and was married to for almost 20 years. And I didn't want to face that, but I did. I, I eventually faced it. And then I sat down and I have the book right here. It's, I have my hand on this book. My mother-in-law, Peggy, bought me for my birthday, for my 40th birthday. One, I want to say it was my 40th birthday. She bought me this this latch book. And it, it's a leather bound. And it, it was just blank pages. There's no lines or anything. And, and I, I started writing phases. You know, this, is, this was during the time when uh, – Marvel was really like, this is phase two. This is phase three of our grand plan of life, you know, a business rather. And so I wrote down uh, phase one. And I, I'm actually, I'm going to share that with you. I hadn't planned on sharing it with you, but I feel like this is something that this may be one of the last heartfelt podcasts for a while. Uh, we have a lot of professional people coming in that we're going to interview. So let me just go ahead and, and read this to you. Okay. It says phase one, 2017 to 2018, create attention. That's step one. Step two, restart the world of myth magazine. Find new and bring back old writers and poets. Find new and bring back old artists. Find new columnists. Find a new editor. Build new website. Bring back old readers. Find new readers. Keep the world of myth free. Step three. Find new author for new book in 2018. If the if new author has them, if it's a new author, have them do six months of the world of myth. Find an editor of the book. Develop cover for book. Figure out what brand to use. Now, that would be Stephanie Barty. Stephanie Barty, I found as a, a very talented writer and author, and. Her enthusiasm, you know, if you talk to me, even in, in Messenger, I can feel the, the enthusiasm, the combination of words that you use. If I can feel your passion and your excitement and it makes me excited, you're most definitely in. So I found her and Eternally Bound. And I found my brother Randy. He was the editor for her book. Uh, we found a cover for the book. We figured out that because it's it was a brand new international thing, because she's from Canada, we started a brand new brand. It was uh, Jezomon Dark Myth International, I believe is what it was called. And we put out the book. And as I'm reading through here, you know, step four was to uh, develop relationship with old employees, which some we have, some we have not. Um, 
I wanted to restart Herotica. And, you know, that's one thing. We tried to restart it, and it just fell apart. But it's okay. We have more plans for that. Um, and then by December of 2018, we wanted to be selling products, which was exactly what we did. So you're like probably wondering, why why bring this up? Why, why are you talking about all this? Well, there is I, – I went through four stages. Each, each stage is a year. And stage two was to restart the Jaisal Modcast Network, which we have done, and we're still trying to build it. Um, but as we move into stage three – and stage three is from 2019 to 2020. There in the very top, very step one says start an online campaign for Jaisal Moncon. And that's where it starts. This is where it all starts. See, Jaisal Moncon was an initially the idea because I wanted to do a Hall of Fame. I've met great, great people, talented people in the in the past almost 30 years. And, and come, well, yeah, technically, I guess I started writing in 1990. So in the last 30 years, I've, I've met some great people. And some of those people are gone. And one of those people, people in particular was one of my very very close friends who was my mentor Terry D. Shearer and I was like I want to do something to honor him I want to hold a, a hall of fame I want to make a Jaisal Mon Dark Myth Hall of Fame why not I've done everything else you know maybe it's not to the the, the light of what people will expect of success but everything that I have ever done, I have achieved. And, and may not be on that level of success, but I've done it. And I was like, okay, so we can't hold a Hall of Fame ceremony just for one person. So then I came up with the idea of the other people that I want to induct as the very first class of the Jaisalman Dark Myth Hall of Fame. And I was like, okay, we have that. And I was like, okay, well, let's see how much the plaques, because you get a nice plaque that I've designed, you know, for the Hall of Fame. And I, I, I want to give each inductee a, a ring for a Hall of Fame ring. And I was like, okay, well, let's see what that costs. So I looked at everything. And I was like, oh, okay, that's really freaking expensive. How am I going to pay for this? And then the idea of Jaisal Moncon hit. Now, the initial idea of Jaisal Moncon kind of came from when I went to the Comic-Con Revolution back in 2018. I was like, oh, this is great. This would be something that you know we could do where we live. But that was kind of it. That was it. Tucked up, folded up, put away, and back subconscious and forgot about it. But then it became a way of means with with this Jaisalmancon, I can incorporate the HOF Hall of Fame into that event, and it, you know that's how it could be done. 
Okay, and that's that's where it started. Seriously, that's where it came from. The whole idea of Jason Moncon came from how can I pay for a Hall of Fame? I know it's crazy. I think it's the first time I actually said it out loud. <laughs> so then we start working on what is called the Jason Moncon because that was before the I decided to merge. Um. Jaselmon and Dark Myth. And obviously I merged it to make Jaselmon Dark Myth. Pretty simple. So anyway, um, I think actually I'm, I'm almost 100% positive. I was talking to my brother, Randy, uh, at this time. And, and you'll notice, yes, Randy is uh, – he, he plays more of a, a, a role in all of this than what I realize as I'm talking to you and telling you this backstory because he's, he's, he was really involved. You know, throughout the years he has been involved. Even after, you know, I mean, of course, there was the, the time where we were estranged for like 15 years. But even till then, it was like he left, he came back, and we moved forward. So I was, we were talking about the, the name Jason Moncon, how it kind of sounded science-fi, or sci-fi, science-fi, good lord, science fiction, sci-fi. And that I was afraid that people would not... No, if you know, if we're promoting, you know, come to Jaisomancon 2020 or something like that, people are like, well, what's Jaisomancon? You know, it doesn't really say much. It kind of rhymes, but but what is it? So, as much as I would love to have used the name Jaisomancon, we, we everybody that I told that to, they're like, oh yeah, 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 you're totally right. So we ditched it. And I was like, okay, well, what are we going to rename it? And how it came about was my, my friend Rob, Rob, Robert Bellamy, J. Robert Bellamy to be exact. Uh, he lives up in Channel, Chatham, Ontario, Canada, and he runs a, a, a con. Um, it is the CKX which is the Chatham-Kent Expo. And I was like, well, I don't want to rip them off, you know, because it's an expo, but I, I, I don't know. I just I can't think of anything. So I came up with the idea that I wanted it to be pop culture. I wanted it to be more than just a comic book. I wanted it more to be a horror. I wanted it more to be just literary. I wanted it to be pop culture. I wanted it to in, in, envelop the whole idea of who I am as a nerd. So I decided to call it Jaisalmon's Pop Culture. Okay, well, is it going to be Jaisalmon's Pop Culture Con? Pop Culture Con. You know, that just, I don't know, it just didn't sound right. And then uh, there was another one that I came up with, but I don't remember off the top of my head, because there was three. And then uh, I was talking to Mike Lutz, and Mike was like, dude, call it Expo, the, the Pop Culture Expo. And his original idea was uh, PCX. And as a fan of the X-Men, I was like, ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. But <laughs> the 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 stickler in me 
did, had a hard time, you know, spelling expo without an E. Seriously, seriously, this is the God's honest truth. I had such a hard time saying expo without an E because I was like, you know, well, how do you, you know, what is it? And, and you're like, pop, Jaselmon's Pop Culture Expo. But, um, you know, you can email it, but no E kind of thing. And I was like, oh, no, no, that's, that's not going to work. So I put the E back in the expo and it became the Jaselmon Pop Culture Expo in a really bad voice. My throat's going out already. I've been on the phone since I woke up. So there you go. So anyway, PCE is Pop Culture Expo, Jaselmon's Pop Culture Expo. And that's what we have now. And again, we, we were going to have, I'm having uh, Stephanie Barty, who is now our managing editor of The World of Myth. Um, her and former managing editor, Mike Lutz, they're coming. Our movie reviewer, Jason, Jason Bashard, he's coming. These guys are coming from Canada. And I was going to have, because we had published uh, Stephanie's book, Eternally Bound, she was a published author. And I, I'm, and to, this is still happening, by the way, Steph, if you're wondering. Um, she is going to do a panel about publishing, being a publisher, a Canadian publisher or Canadian author published in, in America. What challenges did she see and she have to overcome? You know, we're, we're doing that kind of stuff. We were, I was keeping it very local. I didn't think, you know, maybe a few hundred people in the original, you know, draft. Um, and that was what the goal was. And then, uh, let's see. I had reached out because I, I have done a little stint, very unnotable. It, it's not even really worth mentioning. But I did a, a stint in, in Hollywood. Um, I've written, I've produced, I've directed. And I've made a few contacts. Well, I really want, and I say want, I, I, as of current, I want her to be here, um, is Marilyn Gigliotti. Now, I've been a huge fan of Kevin Smith since Alan Russo introduced me to Clerks back in the 90s. And... I I sent out a um, an email to oh what was his name I remember his first name is Seth Seth Siegel I believe is his name at uh, WME and he hasn't even bothered to reply to my request of you know well how much is Kevin Smith and Jason Muse because I wanted them I sincerely wanted them there. Um, you know, I, I knew it was going to be expensive, but you know, I was going to, I'm good at talking. <laughs> I'm good at cutting a deal. You know, I can cut a deal. I know I can, if I could get in front of these guys, I knew I could cut a deal, but he hasn't even, and this has been going into the two month after I sent the, the email and I've sent multiple emails afterwards to follow up and no reply. So I've just said, forget it. Um, but Marilyn Gigliotti, who is Veronica in Clerks, um, I've had as a Facebook friend. And we've had, you know, conversations over the years. Just, you know, not even me being a fanboy. Just random, you know, just blah, blah, blah. You know, just random conversation that you would have with random people. And so that's when I think things started to stir the pot. Because... 
on my Facebook feed, I put out this poll um, to, and, I, and this was just a people of who I had an extension to, who I could reach here in the high desert. And I said, yes or no, would you like to see Marilyn Gigliotti at PCE? Sent it around, let it go for five days. We brought in almost 100 votes. You know, and for some that may be like, that, that, you know, that's it. But for me, for not even trying to like drop a dollar, I just wanted to see what my general consensus of people that follow me would think. I thought it was pretty good. Um, anyway, so I sent her the results and she's at Comic Con currently. If this is Comic Con season, so I do not expect to hear her back from her for a while. But I do hope that she does come back, you know, and, and say, yeah, we can work out a deal. Um, I've also have a request out to Sam Jones. If you don't know who Sam J. Jones is, he's flash. Ah, uh, yeah, sorry. I, I do not do a good, uh, <laughs> I can't see. Oh my God. I, I, Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one who sung the, that, huh? Him and queen. I don't do that well. Um, but anyway, I, I, Saw that he has a request. He's replied. He has some questions. I haven't had an opportunity to sit down and fill out his email or, well, his email requests. Um, but there is that, you know, he could come. And, and all of a sudden, these pop, there's, these are popular actors. They're, they have a pop culture following. I'm like, wow, you know? And then, uh, Eugene Clark, uh, Clark. Sorry, Eugene. I blinked out there for a second. He is Big Daddy. Um, he was Big Daddy, the zombie in George Romero's Land of the Dead. I sent out a request to him. He replied back, I know how much he wants, and that's doable. The only thing that I see a problem with is that he lives in Canada. I did not know that. I, I mean, I've been friends with him forever, and I never knew he lived in Canada. So I would have to, like, shell out buckage to fly him to california and then fly him back to canada now if i can pull that buckage then it's going to happen he's going to be there but as of right now we're what we're setting back seeing what's happening okay so those are what three celebrities that are a big possibility then rob um rob Bellamy, my friend who does CKX, he met Steve Joyner. Now, Steve Joyner is a promoter here in, in California. And I met uh, Steve through Rob. And, and Steve has been an absolute godsend to this whole expo because of his connections, of who he knows. And as we are developing, because the contract has not been signed, but we have someone that is part – I can't say her name until um, the contract has been signed. That's fair enough. So I can't say that you know she, she played in Alice as uh, – what was it? Nightmare on Street 4 and 5. But I can't say her real name. So you can kind of figure that out. Um, anyway, she's very interested. She is, I, I got to talk to her on Sunday, and she's very, very sweet lady, very interested in it. And she's like, can I bring possible more Elm Street alumni with me? I'm like, dude, my California came out of me, my Southern California. Dude, righteous, righteous, righteous. 
Righteous. You can't see me doing my, my horns. Um, so that's happening. Then he introduced me to many other uh, actors that we we are in the process of negotiating and trying to get people to come. And But one thing that I can tell you, our very first signed, sealed, and delivered actor, um, he is the voice of Donald Duck. And... Oh, he, he was also on Tom and Jerry, the little, the little bird. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Doggone it. Um, oh, what is it? Let me see if I can find his IMDb. Little Quacker. He's the voice of Little Quacker. He's also the voice of Donald Duck. His name is, um, Cam, Sam Wasman. And, he will be at Pop Culture Expo. It's it's done. It's signed, sealed, delivered. He is our first celebrity coming to Pop Culture Expo. So we have a lot of things happening, a lot of people coming together. I still have a lot of requests of my own, the people I know, that I haven't heard back from. Um, you know, I I don't know. I I. I don't know. It, and it, it's just interesting because I'm just being totally honest. It was a way to pay for my Hall of Fame uh, venture. That's what I wanted. You know, um, and there's a possibility. Sandy Helberg, who is uh, Simon's father. Now, Simon, I at first I misunderstood and I, but, you know, I, I never, I didn't promote it or talk too much about it so i i didn't i'm not making a total fool of myself only just the people that listen to this podcast i thought when we were talking i thought that he was talking about simon helberg who is uh in the big bang theory but it's his father sandy and sandy has been in space balls mortal Kombat. um He's been in, uh, goodness. He, he's done like, uh, Days of Our Lives, that kind of stuff. Um, now, I want to bring it back to Mortal Kombat because I know my son loves Mortal Kombat. He was the director, that guy. So, hopefully, fingers crossed, we can bring him to the table too. Um, I'm very excited about that. I, I, I'm, it's just, it's coming to its own or coming up on its own and it's happening itself organically. And like I keep telling people, I just want people to have fun. That's what this is. I'm not trying to make tons of money off of PCE because it's about the people. You know, it's, it's doing, it's meeting what I want it to do, which is after PCE, we're going to hold the Hall of Fame ceremony and dinner. That's what was my motivation. Now that that is met, I want PCE to be an experience for the people, not for me to make bucks. You know, I, I'm not interested in making bucks. I've never been interested in making bucks. If so, I would have been rich a long time ago. I, I know that sounded egotistical. I apologize, but that's the truth. If I set out 
and set forth in life to be rich and just focus on being rich, I would have been rich a long time ago. But money is not the objective. It's to make it memorable, to make the people that live up here in Hesperia, Victorville, Apple Valley, Atalanto, um, Wrightwood, the high desert, the people of the high desert, because we would have to go and drive. I mean, the closest one is what, an hour drive to Ontario. That's still an hour's drive versus, you know, driving 11 miles, 12 miles, 15 miles. 20 miles to the San Bernardino Fairgrounds in Victorville. You know, I just want it. I want them to walk away. I want the kids to be smiling. I want the families to be smiling and say, that was cool. Let's, oh, I hope they come back next year. Let's do it again next year. That's what I want. And, uh, I, I'm doing my best that to make that happen um there's just so much left to still be done but you know right now february 8th 2020 the victorville or excuse me the san bernardino fairgrounds in victorville california starting oh okay i gotta put a pin in that little plug now if you know anybody that is autistic or has any type of sensory issues we will be selling tickets where I'm calling them one hour tickets. The doors will open one hour early to these people at nine o'clock because then the doors open at 10 to the general public. Um, these are specifically for sensory issue people. Okay. And for 20 bucks, you get to come in for an hour and you meet the celebrities, you get the autographs, you get to do some shopping, and you get to get out of there before the crowds hit. It'll be nice and quiet. We're going to run some music over the a the AC. Um, I don't know yet. Just something soothing, you know, to, to make a soothing environment, a welcoming environment to those sensory issues. And 100% of that money is going to be donated to the Autism Speaks Foundation. So that's something worth mentioning. Um, okay, that's it. That's everything in a nutshell. Um, again, my voice is almost gone again, but I've been talking a lot since I woke up. I'll probably be talking some more. Um, so come back next week. Next week is going to start something new. We're going to start interviewing celebrities. And upcoming celebrities, we're going to kind of shift gears for a little while. Um, and it, it's part of, of an expanded idea to, to welcome new people into the fold. So next week is, let me see. I'm, I'm, if you ever, if you listen to the world of myth, you know, at the end of the world of myths, um, myth master, he always calls out his next victim. So I guess I'm calling out my next victim, huh? <laughs> uh, let's see. My next victim is uh, Mr. Phillips. In, on, and he'll be next week. We'll re we're going to record that Tuesday. And 
then that Wednesday he will be. Uh, let's see. I'm I'm making sure that I don't give wrong information. Yeah, because we're going to record on the 16th, and it'll be out Sunday the 17th. And we're going to cover a bunch of topics. Like he he makes his own cartoons that you can find on YouTube. And he's an actor, entrepreneur, pretty cool cat. I think he's going to fit in nicely with the whole, you know, the, the nerd genre. And hopefully he'll give us some good, uh, something fun and entertaining that we can walk away from. And, and maybe a couple links that we can enjoy uh, with some of his cartoons. Because I did get a chance to look at some of his, and it's amazing. It really is. I mean, I'm like, I wish I had the the talent to i mean i can draw but to animate talent nah that's not me i mean i i just don't have the patience for something like that so come back next week and we'll get to meet him and talk to him and and pick his brain and enjoy him and then we've got so many other things i'm also going to plug this here too um i am doing a special and in fact i might do uh, a plug for all the podcasts on the network. Um, one time I'm bringing back, it's a special who's the boss and it is going to be with uh, a gentleman that I just recently met. And I, I want to dive into him because he's, he's experienced a lot of stuff too. Uh, we we've met uh, on that link on that plane. Sorry. And his name is Howard Anderson. And we are going to do a special, uh, a special who's the boss on that as well. And I, I don't know if, if Russo wants to jump in on this. That's totally cool. If not, then it's just going to be uh, Howard and I. And I'll keep you more informed on that because who's the boss has been away. And I'm actually looking forward to becoming CEO Dave for that episode because it's been a long time since I've slipped into that uh, character. All right, gang, thank you so much for coming in. I know this is just, it's been a total different format than what you're used to. Um, there's just a lot of stuff going on in my world right now. And uh, it just, it takes precedence over the stuff that's happening in Hollywood. And like I said, I did, I did go see uh, Randy, my brother, and my son Jay. We did go see uh, the recut of Avengers Endgame loved the recut thought what came after was kind of crummy but it's okay it was worth it um that's pretty much all the our nerd stuff that I can give you this week so for this week for my public life as an american nerd i am david k montoya and as always i bid you adieu